Good morning, everybody. If you don't know me, my name is Nicole Fairchild, and my husband Brian and I have been here uh, at the church for about 11 years. Um, and this morning, I want to talk to you about incorrect conclusions. Um, I kind of had a whole different beginning planned out. <sighs> right, Melinda? You're laughing at me, but that's the way it goes. Um, and this morning, when we sang Firm Foundation, I just felt that I need to share this with you. Um, we come to church, really, to allow God to shape us, right? We're shaped by what we sing. We're shaped by the Word of God. And out there in the rest of the world, we can hear and come to all kinds of conclusions that are, in fact, incorrect. And this morning, I want us to take a look at those and confront them, if we can, because we're the body of Christ, and like Caleb said, the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in us, so we have the ability to do this. Um, if you guys will go ahead and show the slide with the statistics. Uh, you know, I work in my day-to-day -day work at the intersection of mental health and education. And uh, the pandemic happened, kids went home, um, you know, the school years got all messed up. And even this school year, when we were talking to educators about what students and people needed, what we heard from them was anxiety, anxiety, anxiety. Anxiety is everywhere right now. Lots of people are feeling it and experiencing it. And if you look at this, what you'll see is um, what they're saying is right. If you look there, there's a dotted line that says it, that's 2019. And so we've got symptoms of anxiety disorder, symptoms of depressive disorder, and then symptoms of both. And you can see for every six months they've tracked it, so the yellow line is June 2020, the orange is December 2020, June 2021 is red, and purple is December 2021. So this is pretty recent statistics. And do you see that the waters have risen? The waters have risen for a lot of folks, and there's just a lot more anxiety and depression. When you look at this, would you say, I, that's true. That's true in my experience and in my world. Raise your hand if you'd say, yeah, that looks about right to me. And raise your hand if you would say, my life is touched by this, either directly or by somebody I know and love. We experience this even as the body of Christ. And, and here's what I want to say today. Um, I don't want to give you any magic wands, but I do know there's great power in Jesus Christ. So um, years ago, there was a, a singer named Sarah Groves when I was at Valley Forge Christian College. She came and did a concert there, and since then I kind of followed what she did. Uh, her dad was one of our professors at the seminary, and um, not too many years ago she did this video because she released a song called Floodplain. And she said, I experience anxiety and depression as a believer. And, and what I realized was I wasn't going to be able to sort of positive think my way out of it. It just kept coming. And she lived um, by the Mississippi River. And she was running along the river one day, and she was looking out at, um, at the river. And, and down on the riverbanks is where lots of um, immigrant communities live, and there's lots of farmer's markets and beautiful land to grow uh, all kinds of vegetables and flowers and beautiful things, and then up past that on either side of the, the river are the big fancy houses way up there. And she said, Lord, what is it? Why can't, how do you get up there? And is that really a better life? 
And, and how, how do I, like I think I'm trying to get myself out of this anxiety and depression by getting kind of up the hill so it doesn't touch me anymore. And what the Lord spoke to my heart was, your heart is built on a floodplain. And some of us this morning, that's true for us. It's been helpful for me to consider that because I do cycle through seasons of depression. And it's not because I'm not faithful. And it's not because I don't believe, but guys, sometimes the rains come, and sometimes the winds come, and that's not a reflection on you. Some of your hearts are built on a floodplain, and the waters do rise every once in a while. But we have hope because we can be built on a firm foundation. Amen? So when the waters rise, we can be rooted, but that doesn't just happen by accident. It happens because we continually submit ourselves over to Jesus Christ. That's how that happens. When we were looking at anxiety and depression and we were thinking about what we could do to help school counselors and school nurses and all these folks that were struggling, we read a couple of books and one of them said this, which I thought was kind of interesting. They said, um, anxiety can kind of be boiled down to incorrect conclusions. Somewhere along the way, you came to an incorrect conclusion. You might have come to it in your mind where you knew you were making that decision. Like, I'm never doing that again. I don't want to feel like that again. But sometimes your body does it. Like, you come to an incorrect conclusion because your body said, yeah, nope. <laughs> your heart rate went up. You started shaking. You thought you were going to pass out. You experienced panic or anxiety, and your body did it. You don't think it had anything to do with your thoughts. Do you guys know what I'm saying? Anybody experience this in here? And so, so here's the thing, either way, whether we experience it in our body or really we can track those thoughts, it's an incorrect conclusion. We might say, I can't handle driving. I can't handle Walmart. I can't handle the dentist. I can't handle storms. We might say dogs are dangerous. Needles are dangerous. Flying is dangerous. These things are dangerous. Or we might just say, people, Ugh, people, people, I don't want people, people are not trustworthy, people are backstabbers, they're unpredictable, I don't, mm -mm. just I won't deal with people, people might embarrass me, people might shame me, people might intimidate me, people might reject me. And we come to these conclusions that guide our behaviors. And that's, that's not where Jesus Christ wants us to be now, is it? I had um, what might be considered a panic attack one time when the kids were small. We were supposed to go to a wedding. And I have no idea, guys. It's not something I made a decision about in my head at all. I just all of a sudden looked at Brian and said, we're going to die if we go. Like, I have no idea. I have no idea, you guys. I just was convinced that like we were going to be hit by a Mack truck. I don't know. Something was going to happen, and I was just all of a sudden in terror that we were going to die if we went, that we were going to die. And in that moment, you guys know if you've ever been in that moment, there's no logicking yourself out of that. You can't just like logic your way out of that, right? You might have good positive thoughts and still your body saying, no, don't do it. Don't do it. And the only way we can get ourselves past that kind of thing is by doing what the word says. Not just being hearers of the word, but doers of the word. 
doers of the word. And I can say that in that moment, I, I haven't asked Brian this, but I can probably predict that if you were to ask Brian, in that moment, did he feel really inspired by my faith in Jesus Christ? Was he like, you are so refreshing, Nicole. Just your love for the Lord, this is such an inspiration. <laughs> no, probably not. Probably not. And so the people of God that we look to and we think, wow, they are really walking out their faith. They're people who have somehow learned to really build their lives on that foundation, even when those winds come. One of those stories is Corey Ten Boom. Um, if, she's got a, a quote that they're going to throw up here that she said about worry. But when you, have you guys ever read The Hiding Place? Anybody in here? Beautiful, wonderful book. If you haven't, go ahead and read it. Um, or it's free on Audible, just so you know. But um, she grew up in Holland with a lovely Christian family. Her dad read the Bible to them morning and night. Um, and they lived their walk out. They brought people in from the streets. They raised kids. They did all kinds of things. And when the Nazis invaded Germany, they also brought in Jewish people and Gory Ten Boone was in her 50s at the time, and she, she pretty much ran an underground. Like, she got them illegal food cards and sent them to the places they needed to go to hide. I mean, she was in circumstances that could be anxiety-provoking. And somehow, she was able to just stay rooted in Christ through that. In that, um, in that book, she tells the story of being a little girl, and her dad was a watchmaker, and together they had went to Amsterdam, and so her dad's suitcase was a big, heavy suitcase full of all kinds of gears and watch things and all that stuff. But she had her mind on something else. She had heard something that she didn't understand in her little mind. And so she looked at her dad and she asked him a question about it. It had to do with sin and birds and the bees. And her dad looked at her and said, Corey, will you carry that suitcase off the train for me? And she said, yeah. So she bent down to try to carry it, and it was way too heavy. And she said, Dad, I can't carry it. It's too heavy. And he said, Yes, Corey. And I would be a pretty poor father if I asked you to try to carry something that's too big for you. And he said, Corey, knowledge is the same way. Knowledge is the same way. There are some things in this world that are just too much for you to bear. When you're older, you might be able to bear it. But until then, can you trust me to carry it for you? And she said, Yes. And she was content with that answer. Decades later, she's in a Nazi concentration camp. Because of her faithfulness, because of her rooted life, she wasn't Jewish. She was there because she loved the people of God. And she was willing to take risks on their behalf. And so here she is in the concentration camp, and she's looking around at the devastation and the evil and just... She said, Lord, I can't understand this. This, is, this knowledge is too heavy for me to bear. Will you carry it? Will you carry it, Lord? And she says that he did. Guys, when she said that, God didn't go, okay, I'll be your fairy godmother, and whoop, now you're free from this concentration camp. Thank you so much for trusting me. That's not what he said at all. But what we know is that we can draw down new strength from God every step we take. So let's let the word of God shape us. 
let's come to correct conclusions, right? Now, we're going to do um, a lot of moving around through the Bible. So here's my recommendation to you. The, the scriptures will be on the screen, and I would recommend that you just jot down the references if you feel compelled by the Spirit to do so. If you don't have any pen or paper, the pens are behind your things, and the offering envelopes are there. And I don't know about y'all, but that's what we use to write on all the time. Right, kids? Draw on those suckers. Okay. So feel free. Use the offering envelope. I give you permission. Um, but before we jump into the word, let's go ahead and pray. Lord Jesus, I want your people to walk in love and freedom. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would help us to walk in love and freedom. Let your word shape us. Let your message and your spirit shape us, Lord Jesus. I pray, Father God, that we would hear your voice today and that you would give us the strength we need. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so let's come to correct conclusions. Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. That's Proverbs 12, 25. Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. You know, the Hebrew for weighs down, it gives an image of being stooped over. And that's what anxiety can do to us. It can kind of stoop us over. It is a heavy weight to bear. We're trying to drag the suitcase ourselves. But then Jesus came along and he later said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus brought us the kind word that can lift us out of that anxiety. How do we do it? We come to him. We come to him and we let him carry that suitcase. We say, this is far too heavy for me. Will you carry it for me? And he says, yes, I will. Come to me. Come to me. When we're experiencing anxiety in our day-to-day -day life, this is what we are to do. It's a cue. You know, I mentioned cues when we talked about apathy a few months ago. That if you're fasting and you get hungry, are you supposed to just say, well, got to break my fast? No. Your hunger is your cue to pray. That's your cue. The same is true with anxiety. When you experience anxiety or this overwhelming, stooped-over feeling, it's your cue to orient your heart to the Lord, to come to Him. Now, if I were to ask you in here individually, um, do you self-medicate when you experience anxiety? I bet I'd get some yeses. And we do that lots of ways, guys. We might scroll, we might drink, we might eat, we might watch, we might do all kinds of things to numb that anxiety. But what I would like to encourage you today is try out coming to him. What could that be in that moment? Could it be kneeling down in prayer? Could it be a quick, I need you now, Lord Jesus? What could it be? I'm not saying that it's going to make everything all better immediately, but can you come to him in that moment? 
This is what it means to walk with Jesus. It's not as if we say, I'm walking with Jesus. Sorry, see you later. I'm feeling a little anxiety, so forget the people of God because I don't want to say hi to any of you. I'm out. I'm out. I mean, are we saying, I need strength for this moment, Lord Jesus? Can it be our cue? Can it be your cue? I pray that it can. Let's look at another couple of verses. In, uh, in the Psalms, we know David experienced some anxiety and depression, didn't he now? You ever read the Psalms and you're like, wow, he really wants his enemies to die. <laughs> wow, he's really experiencing a lot of pain and suffering, and he did. Did, did David have reason for anxiety? You betcha. The king of the land was coming after him. He was going to kill him. He had lots of reason for anxiety. But what we see here in Psalm 40 is his realizing that the Lord is there with him. So he said, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit. He set my feet on a rock to stand. You guys getting it? Okay, he lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. And when he finishes the psalm, he finishes it like this. But as for me, I'm poor and needy. May the Lord think of me. You're my help and my deliverer. You're my God. Do not delay. Later, when Peter is writing to the diaspora, to the, to the people of God, he says this. He says, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast your anxieties on him because he cares for you. I don't know about you guys, but I've always heard those two verses sort of quoted separately. Did you guys know they were back to back? A lot of times we just kind of pull them out as if they're separate from each other. But if you look back to Psalm 40, you'll see it fits the pattern. If we humble ourselves, he will lift us up. And that is something that is part of our, we have to do that. We have to humble ourselves. And he will lift us up. And still we have to cast our anxieties on him. We still have to do that. And so David realized that he could wait patiently for the Lord, that he was poor and needy, and it wasn't going to be in his strength. It wasn't going to be his plan. It wasn't going to be how he would do it. And yet the Lord lifted him up and gave him a firm place to stand. I think in many cases when it comes to depression or anxiety, we have this either-or kind of thinking. Either I'm anxious or I'm not. That's not the way it works. That's not the way it works. There's a whole scale of things in between there. And it's not a switch that we flip on or off. And there may be times where you have experienced anxiety or possibly even a panic attack. And you're like, Lord, I want it to stop now. And then it doesn't just stop immediately. It doesn't just stop immediately. And you're like, why? I believed. Why doesn't it just stop immediately? Because it's not an either or. That's not what it is. Um, in thinking about Corrie ten Boom, one of the other things that she, she mentioned was that years later, she ended up getting out of the concentration camp essentially because of a clerical error. God's hand was on her, and he did rescue her. But then she was sent out all over the world to tell her story, and at one point she went to Germany and told her story. 
And there in the audience was one of the guards that she had to walk naked in front of, that had brutalized and hurt so many people. And at the end of her talk, he came up to her and said he had become a Christian and he wanted to ask for her forgiveness. And she said, <laughs> she started fumbling in her purse. She couldn't get, she couldn't get her hand. He, he kind of continued. And, and during that time, she just said to the Lord, Lord, I have no ability to do this inside of myself. My, my sister died there. Like, I, I have no ability to do this inside of myself, but Lord, what I can do is lift up my hand, but you'll have to provide the feeling. You'll have to provide the feeling. And so she did, woodenly, sort of robotically lifted her hand. And when their hands met, she felt this joy and peace and strength come through her body. And it wasn't because of her. It was because in that moment, she humbled herself under his mighty hand, and she cast her anxieties on him, and he came in in that moment. And she says later, she says, you think that'd be the biggest thing I'd ever have to do? Forgive one of the guards. And later in her life, what she realized was forgiveness didn't actually get any easier after that. It wasn't like the rest of it was child's play. Forgiveness was still really hard. She was talking to a minister about it, and he mentioned the bell up in the tower. And he said, you know, when you pull on that bell, the, the rope, then it dings, but even after you stop pulling on it, it will still ding, dong, ding, dong, ding, until it finally slows. And he said, sometimes forgiveness is that way. We do the initial, Lord, I'm not going to pull on this chain anymore. I'm going to let it go. But then we're surprised when it takes a little bit of time for that momentum, for that feeling, for that experience to slow. It's true with forgiveness, but it's also true with anxiety. It's also true with anxiety. And so when we experience lasting effects, when we experience it, it's really probably part of the bell slowing. It can be part of the bell slowing. So it's not either or. It is both and. I want you to try to change your thinking. It's not either or. It's both and. Jesus said both you will have trouble in this world, and I have overcome the world. It is both and. This is both difficult, and I can trust him. This is both uncomfortable, and I can pick up my cross and carry it daily. This is both and. Now, that's all fine and good for you guys to agree with me right now, but if you're terrified of needles and I say, it's both and, and let's get a little closer to the needle, that's harder to do, right? That's harder to do, but this is how we learn it. We have to experience it. We have to actually do the word, not just hear the word. We have to do it. So I don't know what that means for you today, but if you have some either or thinking when it comes to depression or anxiety or even forgiveness, I would encourage you, there's strength here in Christ. If you humble yourself, he will lift you up in due time. And you can cast these cares and anxieties on him. It is both and. Both and. Let's look at two more. Blessed is the man whose trust is in the Lord. Who Let me say it again. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. Do you think they wanted you to get that? They did. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream 
and does not fear when the heat comes, for its leaves remain green, and it's not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. Cody read us this, uh, this verse last week, didn't he? This is what it means to be walking in Christ. This is what, what it means to have a firm foundation. How do we get there? It's right there on the first line. How do we get there? We trust him. Do we just say we trust him with our mouth or do we trust him with our actions? Do we trust him in difficult times? Do we trust him enough to hide Jewish people in our house and get them illegal cards? I don't know. Do we trust him? Do we trust him enough to pet the scary dog? Do we trust him enough to go to the dentist? Do we trust him enough to go into Walmart or to drive? Do we trust him enough to talk to people when it's scary? Do we? Can we? Can we? Can we draw down trust and strength from the Lord? I can't help but wonder. You know, there's a similar verse to this in Psalm 1. We used to quote it in kids' church all the time. Um... And it's about being rooted and planted in Christ. And I I can't help but wonder if when Jesus gave the parable of the seeds and the sower, he wasn't thinking back to this imagery that he knew so well. So he had told the parable, and this is what he told his disciples the meaning of it was. He said, the seed is like the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear. And then the devil comes and takes the word away from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among the thorns stand for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart, who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. By persevering, produce a crop. So this is what's required of us, guys. We have to trust the Lord enough to persevere, even when it's difficult, even when it feels uncomfortable, even when our heart rate just went through the roof, even when we think we're going to throw up, (laughs) even then, even then, we can trust him We can trust him even when it gets that difficult. There's lots of good reasons to be scared in this world. There's lots of good reasons to have anxiety. I mean, Caleb mentioned that. I thought you were going to preach my sermon, Caleb. Um, There's lots of reasons for it, and yet we do have access to power. Other people do not have access to. We have access to strength. Other people do not have access to. We need to draw down that strength from the Lord. In fact, one of the other things Corey Ten Boom said was, she said, you know, you'd think that after all that I'd been through, I'd be able to save up all kinds of strength and all kinds of hope and all kinds of goodness so that I, so that I wouldn't have to really ask for it from the Lord all the time anymore. And she said, I'm 80 years old, and I can tell you today, I have to ask for it fresh every time. I have to ask for it fresh every time. Every time. And so this is how we hear and do the word. We ask for it fresh every moment, each moment that you need it. You don't stop asking. You don't stop asking. You don't stop orienting your heart to him. You continue and persevere through those difficulties. We can trust that he'll be with us when we do that. Um, You know, one of the other uh, memory verses in kids' church, we would do Philippians 4 all the time. When, uh, when my kids were small, we did JBQ, Junior Bible Quiz, and so we listened to scripture all the time, all the time, all the time. 
And um, what I kind of realized after a period of time was that this helped to make the Bible familiar to them as little kids so that when they got a little older, it would be easier for them to understand. It's almost like having hooks in the Bible, places where they could turn to. I can still remember it was a few years ago. One of my kids said, I don't know where to start in my Bible. Where do I read? And I said, read, read Philippians 4, because I knew they'd have all kinds of familiar verses in there. Um, so there's a bunch of them up here on the screen. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. That's one of David's cries in the Psalms. Please don't be far from me. I'm needy, I'm poor and needy. Please don't be far from me. And we have this assurance here that the Lord is near. So we don't have to be anxious about anything. We don't have to be anxious about anything. But in every situation, drawing down new strength every moment by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. In kids' church, we would say thanksgiving because we're eating. With thanksgiving, <laughs> present your request to God. And the peace of God, which is unbelievable and passes our understanding, will guard, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It's going to guard you. So we can set our minds on these things that are good, right, true, noble, pure, lovely, excellent, praiseworthy, all those things. We can set our minds on them and be rooted. He says, whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. Put it into practice and the peace of God will be with you. I can still remember we were here on a Wednesday night. This is when I was still over in kids' church and a tornado warning happened. And we had to take all the kids to the basement in the old building. And I had these babies scared of the storm. Like, bah! I mean, freaking out, scared of the storm. And I'm all, do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, just like this one. And they're like, bah! it's so much harder to do in that moment. It is so much harder to do in that moment. But this is the assurance we have as the people of God. This is our assurance. These are correct conclusions. You can build your life on him. If you think that the storms won't come or the waters won't rise, that's an incorrect conclusion. If you think that when the storms come and the waters rise, it's because you were bad or not faithful or not strong enough, that's an incorrect conclusion. But we can conclude with assurance that Jesus Christ is there for us. We can draw down new strength from him in each moment, in each moment. And so we can be transformed by the renewing of our minds, can't we? We offer ourselves daily as a living sacrifice. We have to lay down, we have to humble ourselves. We have to allow our hearts to be taken over by him. We have to allow that and then we are transformed, shaped by the word of God, shaped by our experience, shaped by our belief, shaped by putting into practice the words that he's given us, and then we're gonna be able to walk in this faith and assurance. People of God, we have hope. I understand those statistics are what the world is seeing right now, and I understand that the, the waters may rise for you. They rise for me still. And yet I know I have hope and assurance and access to the throne of God. And so more and more, I want to be faithful to go there. More and more, I want to be faithful to let that be my cue. 
More and more I want to say this is both difficult and I can overcome. More and more I want to trust my Father. I just want to trust Him even when it's difficult. Stand to your feet. Lord Jesus, shape us, help us, God. Some of you in this, in this room this morning, you need to just come to the altar and say, Lord, I don't, I don't want to live in this anxiety anymore. Help me to find my way through. Give me new eyes. Give me new vision. Give me new hope. Give me, a, give me one of these verses I can hold on to. Some of you, maybe, as the, as the band comes, you just need to come to the altar and pray. Maybe that's you. And some of you will see your friends come up here to the altar, and I want you to come to them and encourage them. I want you to pray with and for them. But I also know that there's some of you in this place that your anxiety is such that you're never walking up here. If you can trust him, if you can take that step and do it, I want you to, you'll find freedom and hope. That's part of humbling yourself. You'll find freedom and hope if you do it. But if you can't, will you please at least do this for me this morning? Will you at least look somebody in the eye and say, this is the scripture I'm hanging on to this week. This is the, this is the thing that I know that's coming, and I'm going to try this out. I'm going to try to reach a little deeper. I'm going I'm to try to orient my heart. I'm going to try to use it as a cue. I want you to look at somebody. I want you to look at them and tell them what it is. I'd love it if it's outside of your family. Tell somebody. And join as a body of believers to pray with and for one another, even out there, as we sing this song. We're going to get through this together. And we're going to be so much more attractive to the world. Our witness and our testimony will shine like a light when we're living a life surrendered to the Lord. When we're living a life that shows that that. We may experience anxiety, but he is king. He is king. So come to the altar now. Turn to your friend now. Sing this song out now. And say, he is my firm foundation. I can trust him. Thank you, Lord Jesus.